Chapter 13 of The Conquest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry, Johnson City, Tennessee. The Conquest by Oscar Michaud. Chapter 13 Imaginations Run Amok. I decided to utilize some of my spare time by doing a little freighting from Orristown to Gallius. Accordingly, one fair morning, I started for the former town. It began raining that evening, finally turning into a fine snow, and by morning a genuine South Dakota blizzard was raging. How the wind did screech across the prairie. I was driving the big horse and Jenny Mule to a wagon loaded with two tons of coal. They were not showed, and the hillsides had become slick and treacherous with ice. At the foot of every hill, Jenny Mule would lay her ears back, draw herself up like a toad when teased, and look up with a groan. While the big horse trotted on up the next slope, pulling her share of the load. When the wind finally went down, the mercury fell to 25 below zero, and my wrist, face, feet, and ears were frostbitten when I arrived at Callias. As is always the case during such severe weather, the hotel was filled, and laughing, storytelling, and good cheer prevailed. The Nicholson boys asked, how I made it, and I answered disgustingly that I have made it all right. If that Jenny Mule hadn't gotten faint-hearted, the remark was received as a good joke, and my suffering and annoyances of the trip slipped away into the past. That remark also had the further effect of giving Jenny Mule immortality. She became the topic of conversation and jest in hotel and post office lobbies, and even to this day the story of the faint-hearted mule often affords splendid entertainment at festive boards and banquet halls of the Little Crow, when told by a Nicholson. While working in the rain, the perspiration and the rainwater had caused my body to become so badly galled that I found considerable difficulty in getting around. To add to this discomfort, Jenny Mule was affected with a touch of moderism at times, especially while engaging in eating grain. One night, when I had wandered thoughtlessly into the barn, she gave me such a wallop on the right shin as to impair that member until I could hardly walk without something to hold to, as it had taken a 1,400-mile walk to follow the plow and break in a 120 acres. I was about all in physically when it was done. As a means of recuperation, I took a trip to Chicago. While there, the call of the road affected me. I got reinstated in a couple of months to the coast 
four months of free life on the plains, however, had changed me. After one trip, I came in and found a letter from Jessie saying she was sick, and although she never said, come and see me, I took it as an excuse and quit that peeing company for good, and here it passes out of the story, went downstate to Emboro and spent the happiest week of my life. After I had returned to Dakota, however, I contracted an imagination that worked me into the state of jealousy. Concerning an individual who made his home in Emboro, and with whom I suspicioned the object of my heart to be unduly friendly, I say this is what I suspicioned. There was no particular proof, and I have been inclined to think in after years that it was more a case of over-energetic imagination run amuck. I contended, in my mind, and in my letters to her as well, that I should not have thought anything of it. If the man in the case had a little more promising future, but since his proficiency only earned him the munificent sum of three dollars per week. I continued to fret and fume until I at last resolved to suspend all communication with her. Now what I should have done when I reached that stage of imaginary insanity was to have sent Miss Rooks a ticket, some money, and she would have come to Dakota and married me, and together we would have lived happily ever after. As I see it now, I was affected with an idealism. Of course, I was not aware of it at the time. No young soul is. Until they have learned by bitter experience the folly that they should not do thus and so. And of course, there is the old excuse of good intentions. Somewhere I read that the road to not St. Peter is paved with good intentions. The result of my prolific imagination was that I carried out my resolutions, quit writing and emotionally lived rather unhappily thereafter for some time at least. End of chapter 13